2: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is September 4th, and just a few hours ago, Atlanta United was defeated by Portland 2 1 at Providence Park in beautiful Oregon. It was a meek performance by the Five Stripes in a game that, and I keep saying this, it likely needed to win to keep alive its very, very slim hopes of making the playoffs. Instead, the team put just two shots on goal, created just nine chances. The only goal that it scored was a Joseph Martinez header. That was the second shot on goal in the game. It came in the 88th minute. The Timber scored on two penalties that manager Gonzalo Pineda described as soft, not soft calls, just soft penalties committed by his players. its It was just, a frankly, considering what's at stake and considering what's been at stake, For every game, for the past 10 games or so, it was just another disappointing performance. And it's hard to explain why it keeps happening, but it certainly keeps happening. There are five games remaining. When this round of games is over, Atlanta United will be at least five points from seventh with three or four teams in between it and that final playoff spot. It's got a gigantically important game against Toronto coming up. On Saturday, it's a Toronto team that has invested a lot in this secondary summer transfer window and is getting some of the benefits of that. Its defense is still awful. Its offense is great, but Atlanta United can't take advantage of anybody's defense right now. Portland's defense was awful coming into this game, and it had absolutely no problem shutting down Atlanta United. Let's go through some of the stats really quickly. Portland's goals were scored by Moreno and Aspria. On penalty kicks. Fouls for the penalty kicks were committed by Juan Hoparata and Santiago Sosa with just a really silly tackle for that penalty. Atlanta, of course, led in possession 61.5% to 38.5, but Portland had 14 shots to Atlanta United's 10, four shots on target to Atlanta United's 2. And one of the emails that I've gotten from a, a friend of the podcast. Has some pretty interesting stats that I'm going to go into after the break when we start to go through the mailbag here. Passing accuracy, Atlanta 83.7% to Portland 75.3%. But Atlanta was sloppy with the ball. I mean, so, so sloppy. Each line was sloppy with the ball. There, there was no Christmas. They looked like a tired team that I don't want to say they are ready for the season to be over, but that's how they played today. They still think they can make the playoffs. But right now, it's just I I don't see it happening. I really, really don't. They're just not a good team. It's the same mistakes over and over and over again. Y'all are tired of talking about them. I'm tired of having to ask questions about them. Pineda is tired of having to answer questions about them. The players are tired of having to answer questions about them. But it's the same thing every game. Every freaking game, it's the same thing. So anyway. I hope you're having a good Labor Day weekend. I'm currently in Raleigh, North Carolina for a 30th reunion with some college friends of mine. I beat them all in golf today. I shot like a 68, I think. And I beat them all by like 15 strokes, I think. uh, Because they all are just horrible in golf. And if you believe any of what I just said, then you've probably had more to drink on Friday or Saturday than I did. And that might be hard to do. Uh, but now I want to give a special thanks to my friend Howard, who's hosting us, Rodney, Brett, Rob, Dennis, who couldn't be here, Zach, some of those guys. Uh, that's why I'm not, one of the reasons I'm not in Portland was because we do this every Labor Day, and I've recently got to reconnect with these guys, and to Indy, say hello to Indy, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. So now, with the only pleasant part about this weekend, now covered, let's go into some audio compiled by the... Always outstanding, Shane, the outstanding producer. Here's Gonzalo Pineda answering my question if he's disappointed with the performance of the team today.
3: Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, obviously, with the, with the result, uh, I feel like uh, we can do better in certain moments in the final 30 when we got in good areas to cross, and, and we just couldn't finalize some of the half chances that we had to create more, more shots on target. Because we tried ten times, but we couldn't really frame it in in more than two. So we have to do better in those moments. And then, you know, again, soft goals, sub PKs, things that we need to do better. And uh, and I don't know. Uh, we have to reflect on how we can do better on, on those on those moments.
2: So, following up on that, because we've heard this answer from Pineda many, many, many times this season. I asked him, what is his level of frustration that with five games left, the team continues to make the same mistakes over and over again?
3: Uh, I mean, obviously, at the moment, uh, right after the game, I'm frustrated. I'm upset. Uh, It's normal when you don't get the results. Uh, But obviously, we don't gain anything with that. We need to overcome this part, try to analyze the game, try to see the next uh, game plan this next week, how we can approach that and how we can do it better. And uh, and just 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 uh, move forward uh, and, and just move on from this game and try to continue with the with the with the season and try to go to the next three matches in, in a good preparation.
2: I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I can understand the struggles by the defense. You've lost Brad Guzan. You've lost Miles Robinson. You've lost Ozzy Alonzo, George Campbell. You've lost George Campbell, who. I still think has immense potential, even though some of y'all disagree. But you cannot explain why the offense continues to struggle as much as it does. Because you've still got Araujo, who was really solid last year, but looks like a shell of himself this year. Diego Almada was a non-factor for the most part today. Ronaldo Cisneros, again, if he doesn't get service, he can't do anything. And he got no service today, but then your Joseph Martinez is on the bench. Marcelina Moreno and y'all are aware of my thoughts on Moreno. Good player, could be better. Didn't come in until the eighty-something minute with the team trailing by a goal at that point. So I asked Pineda, "Why did it take so long? Or why did he wait so long to put Moreno in?"
3: Well, I think that Santi, Santi was doing a good job at holding that position as a holding center mid. We just entered Amar and we felt that, you know, I was waiting for a little bit of uh, connection between Luis and Joseph uh, in those those minutes. And I was waiting a little bit for that. I felt that in those moments we were dangerous in the final third. We played a couple half chances with Luis Brooks uh, and Joseph and then uh, Edwin on the left side. So I was... Just waiting a little bit, and then the second goal came, and and obviously uh, that's where we decided to bring uh, Marce. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Marce is better when he plays inside, and I found that Amar and Thiago were there already. Uh, You know, uh, I just reflect on that.
2: So Raul Godinho got his first starting goal and placed a Rocco Rios Novo. The team still allowed two goals. Godinho really only got called upon probably once to make a save, and Stu Holden, who was doing the commentary for um, Fox, liked the save that Godinho made. I, I thought it was a poor save because he put the ball right back in the middle of the box and at out it was lucky that there wasn't a Portland player there ready to pounce on it. But here's Godinho talking about why he was selected to start and how he thought he performed.
1: Yeah, on, a, on an individual note, uh, tonight it was my turn to, to play and try to help my teammates. Um Unfortunately, you know we we conceded two penalties um, and they were well taken. But I think um, you know tonight it was it was my turn. Gonzalo just told me that I had been working well and training well. Um, But uh, yeah, as a team, we've just got to continue to improve and keep working.
2: With five games remaining, the team at least five points behind and three or four teams in between it and the seventh place team. I asked Godinho if he the players still believe they're going to make the playoffs for the fifth time in six seasons.
1: Of course. uh, We're aware of that. We've got five games left, uh, five finals, um, and and we have to play them like that. We're going to try and take the, the maximum amount of points possible. And then once you're in the playoffs, it's a totally different competition.
2: I don't see it happening. I really don't. With five games remaining, to think that the issues that this team has are suddenly going to be solved, I mean, the set-piece defending today, Portland did not score on a set-piece, but the set-piece defending was atrocious. I don't know how many balls went right through Atlanta United's defenders. Just all the way out? It's crazy. Nobody was attacking balls. Nobody was running off the ball. So you've got Toronto next on September 10th. Toronto that's also fighting for a playoff spot. Orlando in the playoffs. Philadelphia in the playoffs. New England fighting for a playoff spot. NYCFC in the playoffs. Atlanta United does not beat playoff teams. We've seen that the past three years now. I don't want to say this team's chances of making the postseason are done because somebody could get on a hot streak, but the probabilities just don't seem in the team's favor. All right. Brooks Lennon, God bless him. Came and did an interview. He always stands up when somebody needs to come and talk to us. So, Ask Brooks, what happened with the tactics or the execution of the tactics?
1: Uh, yeah, obviously we're, we're disappointed, um, you know, not to come out with three points. I thought, you know, we, we battled till the end. Great, you know, great goal from Joseph at the end there. Um, yeah, I just don't think that we had enough numbers in the box at times. Um, you know, when the ball got in wide areas, um, you know, and, and the wing backs or whoever was out wide, was trying to, uh, you know, put balls into the box. We didn't have the numbers that we that we you know expect and that we want and um, you know that we prepare for. So uh, that was an issue for us tonight. Obviously, we got to give credit to Portland and their their uh, you know their defense. I thought they played well tonight, but um, yeah, back to the drawing board and um, you know get back to film and and you know understand the reasons why we didn't create as many chances as we normally do.
2: There's been a couple of key phrases in this audio that I'm going to pull out. And if you want to say they're out of context, I wouldn't disagree with you. But Brooks saying back to the drawing board and Pineda saying, I don't know, as part of answers to two questions, I think shows the frustration right now. This team still, it has a lot of talent. And I think it has the talent to execute the tactics. But for some reason, the players just can't. And I, I wish I could tell you why, but I don't. We're going to go to a break and come back with your emails and questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now.
0: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. You ready? Showtime
2: on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah.
2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? No, nope. because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. And now, I need to point out to you that I know you only care about Atlanta United. But we also have coverage of the University of Georgia Bulldogs, who beat the feathers off of Oregon yesterday and provides one more example why the playoffs do not need to be expanded to 12 teams in 2026. Georgia Tech, which plays Clemson on Monday night in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Georgia State, which hung with South Carolina for a while. Kennesaw State, the HBCUs in the city, professional golf, NASCAR, the Falcons, the Bravos who won again today. We do a lot. We do a lot for $2.30 a week. To me, it's the best value you can buy. All right, let's go to some of your questions. Working in inverse order. So those who sent in latest will be read first. Starting with Rob. And I don't know if I agree with the premise of this email, but I'm going to read it because he took some time. and. Uh, We'll go from there. Friend of the podcast, Rob, says, If you were a manager trying to choose a starting striker, which stat line would you go with? Striker 1, 22 games, 12 starts, 1,300 minutes, 8 goals, 4 assists. Striker 2, 22 games, 20 starts, 1,400 minutes, 2 goals, 1 assist. If you would choose striker 1, you chose Joseph Martinez over Ronaldo Cisneros whose stats don't include his two multi-goal games, which you have to treat as outliers at this point. I don't agree. He scored them. They count. I know our problems run deeper than who starts up top, but can we at least agree that Joseph's output, even in recovery, is vastly superior to that of Cisneros? Hope your golf game this weekend scoring is as low as our club's is. That's a good line, Rob. For what Pineda wants, he thinks Cisneros offers it better. The stretching of the defense, the runs, etc., But the problem is, no one is hitting those balls to Cisneros. So his speed, his ability to pressure defenses, it doesn't matter. I I don't understand it. I understand the idea. I don't understand why the tactic cannot be executed. But anyway, thank you for that, Rob. Here's a very, very well-thought-out email from Adam, who actually sent in two. And he must be an accountant or a number cruncher or something in his spare time because the man puts in some work. And it is good, good work. Here we go. Discounting the Frankenstein's monster that was the 2020 season. Atlanta's average possession has increased every season from 50% per match in 2017 to 58% per match this far in 2022. Atlanta's average goals per match are actually up over last season, 1.43 to 1.32, but the banner first three years were 2.06, 2.06, and 1.71 respectively. The average goals against this year is a team high 1.64. The previous years ranged from 1.09 last year to 1.29 in 2018. This lends weight to the idea that possession is less important than your overall efficiency in production with a ball. More importantly, it speaks volumes about defensive effectiveness. Last year was high-possession, stout defense, with Atlanta getting 0.3 points per match more, despite averaging fewer goals scored. On the surface, the numbers suggest Atlanta's main issues this year are on the defensive side of the ball, which, perhaps not coincidentally, is where most of the team's injuries occurred. Is it possible Miles and Guzan were bigger components than we consider? At the least, it emphasizes that Atlanta must address defense next season, particularly in coaching team defense and building a commitment to prioritizing shutting down opponents' attacks. Atlanta still needs more goal production if they hope to vie for trophies, but goal differential is critical, and Atlanta has been brutal on the defensive side of that equation. Yeah, losing Miles, who was just a one-man Gang in Atlanta's defense. If there was a counterattack, if there was a, if somebody had a one-on-one with Robinson, they were not going to win that. And this, that's not happened this year. Uh, Guzan, huge component. Ozzie Alonzo, huge component. And you could say, well, why are we counting on these guys? But we're counting on, the team is counting on those guys because of their experience. That's why they they're there. And you're seeing the value of experience and the negative effects of not having it in Major League Soccer this season with this team. All right, now, going back, this is another really, really long one. I'm sorry, I'm going to read a short one first and then go to a really, really long one. This is Noah, another friend of the podcast. I think my main frustration comes with Pineda's press conferences this year. It's clear he's a rookie coach, and of course he will make some mistakes. Personally, I think he's unfortunately just made one too many. You said Pineda said he's frustrated, but that it doesn't do any good. How is that a good enough response for any sane coach? It's ridiculous in my opinion. Do you think he's given up? No. No. The context of that was he's frustrated, but him expressing frustration, showing frustration does not help his team get points in the next game. I I understand that. I, I think that's a very mature response by Pineda. Although at this point, I think that it might be worth it to try chewing some players out in public because trying to be the good guy, trying to be the player first guy isn't getting results. Now here's Rob again. and I can't go into all of this. Um, I got to figure out a way I can post this at some point and just as a talking point. But Rob did the research and determined the team's record broken down by who is the referee. He says he knows there's a lot that goes into the outcome of games, but what does it say about officiating? And this is, these are his words, not mine. And potential bias that the four officials who have been head ref most often for our games are among the bottom half of this list. And can you pull a few strings with PRO, maybe offer one of your limited edition AJC scarves to ensure Jair Marufo and Robert Robert Sabiga don't officiate anymore at London United matches. I'm laughing as I read that. Uh, No, I can't do that, Rob. I would get fired. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that because it's a funny idea, but that it just doesn't work. Anyway, I'm going to go through a couple of refs. I can't go through the whole list. Alan Chapman, 13 games. The team has five wins, four draws, four losses, 1.46 points per game. Alan Kelly, 14 games, 5 wins, 5 draws, 4 losses, 1.43 points per game. Jair Marufo, 13 games, 2 wins, 4 draws, 7 losses, 0.77 points per game. Robert Zabiga, 14 games, 2 wins, 4 draws, 8 losses, 0.71 points per game. Now, the only thing I could say this is a lot depends upon which of these games were played on the road, which of these games were played on the West Coast, what was the quality of the opponents. There could be really good reasons for these losses and these records but I'm not blaming him on the referee. Sheldon sent in a question a couple of days ago, and he says, I always forget to email you after the matches when you ask for questions, so I hope you have the time to answer mine. Of course. And you can find me on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC, or my email is D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N at AJC.com. He continues, we all know that part of Atlanta United's business plan is to buy young talent and sell them for a profit. This has been stated by Darren Eels on a number of times. Obviously, Darren Eels, as CEO, set the business plan. My question is, do you get the feeling that while implementing this business plan, did Bocanegra lose focus on his main job to build a team and instead got addicted to the thrill of bargain hunting, shopping for players that he felt were bargains while forgetting that his main role was to build a team? Now, so... I have not been able to verify this because I don't know who to ask at this point with Darren gone to Newcastle. But I have heard that most MLS teams do three-year budgets. Atlanta United does a five-year budget. So if you get things wrong, it can become very difficult to get them right again because you're you spending that money looking down a longer road than most Major League Soccer teams. Again, I don't know if this is true. This is just something I've heard, and it's going to get into some more questions that we've got on the Twitters. Um, the only problem I have with this is I think Atlanta United has leaned a little too heavily on the young players at the expense of signing some veterans. Ozzie Alonzo was signed, but he got injured. But there really wasn't another guy other than Alex dejean who has spent a lot of time in Major League Soccer. It's a different league. You need people who know what's going on, who have experienced some of these things to guide the teammates through it. All right, we're going to switch now to the questions sent in on the Twitters, of which there are a few. Again, in inverse order, Henry, friend of the podcast. Is this the end of Atlanta's playoff hopes? Yes or see? Well put, Henry. Yes, or C, are we? Is Pineda still the man for next season? It feels like his leadership has been pretty ineffective, and he still hasn't been able to make these players into a team. Can we really expect anything to be drastically different next season? Yes, I still think Pineda deserves to get another full season. It's very, very hard this season, all the injuries. Very, very hard. How many of these players stick around for next season? I think most, unless they ask to be transferred or traded. Because there's only one player who's totally out of contract. That's Mikey Ambrose. Scott Perdue, a few of the questions for the podcast. Any chance they fire Paneda over the failure of this season? No. How much of a teardown and rebuild is possible with the MLS rules? Not a lot. Any chance Tata coaches the World Cup and then returns to Atlanta United? No. No chance at all. Sorry to knock this out fast, Scott, but they're kind of yes or no questions. Ren, Doug, thanks for your consistent and level reporting. Well, thank you, Wren. Given the way this team has played and been coached this year, is it fair to say Atlanta United doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway? Well, right now they don't because they don't have enough points. Second, what does a wholesale Atlanta United house cleaning look like? It will not happen. Can't too many players are under contract. This goes back to that five year budget that I was referencing earlier. Chris Quinn, friend of the podcast, former coworker, says the immediate future looks dire. If we lose out or even lose most of what's left, what's your opinion of Panetta's future? I think he stays with the team unless he gets a better offer. But a lot's going to depend upon the next president. You have a manager in mind. You have a relationship with someone who wants to come to Atlanta, and then we'll have to figure out what happens. It's going to be interesting. David. Says, hi, Doug. Do you feel like having Almada, Moreno, and Arahujo on the field at the same time is like having three point guards in a basketball game? They all do the same thing. and makes us one-dimensional. Love the podcast. Yes. This question has been asked before. I agree with the premise of this question. I've gone into my thoughts on each. Almada has to be the attacking midfielder. Moreno has to play on the right wing. Arahujo has to play on the left wing because they're both very, very one-footed. But it doesn't happen too often. Pineda disagrees. He's the manager. This is what he gets paid for. So uh, a couple of podcasts ago, I said, we need a nickname for those of you who consistently send in questions or emails or leave voicemails. And none of you left a voicemail. So I am going to once again, shake my head and sternly look at you. I hope you feel shame over not leaving a voicemail because the number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. If you're listening to this podcast, Jay, there, I said it twice. I know it's important. I said it twice. Anyway, one person suggested that those who are consistent question askers be called the Get Fresh Crew. I'll leave it to you to figure out the reference, but I love it. Anyway. That wraps up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast at Line United 2-1 Losers at Portland. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, and y'all take care.
0: Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an Oceanside Paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
2: In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson
0: Show. Let